0: To Sophie
1: the makers of Epic Pure Sunflower Oil, Purine and Pret Cooking Fat, Yum Yum Peanut Butter, Maple Margarine, and Niblets Cheese Twists present The Epic Casebook. In which Inspector Carr investigates.
0: On more than one occasion, I've demonstrated in this series that some of the most baffling investigations concern those acts of murder committed on the spur of the moment. Crimes which are not planned in advance, or premeditated of course, otherwise the crime would not be labelled murder, but committed on impulse. The killer destroys his victim and then disappears, On the other hand, many a murderer has been brought to the bar of justice because the criminal takes so many steps to conceal his guilt as to lead the detective in charge of the case right to his very door. Too clever in concealing his tracks. An over-elaborate alibi and so on. Take tonight's story as a case in point. I'm not saying that the culprit would not have been arrested eventually. We'd have caught him all right. But his over-elaborate piece of deception accelerated the process. Let me tell you about it. I've called my story An Author's Ending. I wonder how many of you remember Olivia Shaw. Today she's almost forgotten. Yet she was a fine writer, whose word pictures of the London scene delighted me. Olivia Shaw shot dead, you say? Yes, sir. When? Where? Call just came through, sir. 14 Edward Terrace, Regent's Park, sir. Edward Terrace, right. Any action been taken? Yes, sir. Sergeant Wilkins from the Marylebone police station is at the address now, sir. Right. Arrange transport. I was met by Sergeant Wilkins, who took me to the second floor where the murder took place. The dead body of Olivia Shaw was slumped across the leather inlaid desk, a gunshot wound disfiguring the left side of her face. The window immediately behind her was splintered into star-shaped fragments spreading out from a neat hole. It was a typical author's study. Two walls of books, wood panelling, a comfortable armchair, a leather couch, and a coffee table casually in one corner functional and extremely lived in. Sergeant Wilkins gave me his story. I was on patrol car duty, sir. Received a call to proceed here at 6.25 p.m. The report indicated that a woman had locked herself in a room and would not answer the door. I was met downstairs by a maid and brought up here, sir, where Mr. Hambleton was waiting for me. Mr. Hambleton? Who's he? The husband. Olivia Shaw was her writing name, sir. Is Mr. Hamilton here? Yes, sir, in the drawing room downstairs. You say the door was locked? Yes, sir. Mr. Hamilton said his wife had been in the study all afternoon.
1: Yes, sir. She's been there all the afternoon, Sergeant. I'm getting worried about
0: her. Worried, are you, sir? Is that why you telephoned the police saying it
1: was urgent? If you and your wife had some sort of quarrel, then I suggest... Give me patience. Don't you understand what it might mean? She's dead. Well, like all writers, my wife is given to fits of extreme depression. Olivia! Olivia! You see what I mean, Sergeant? Well, if you're so worried, why haven't you broken down the door? Look at this door, Sergeant. It was built a hundred years ago. Solid as a rock. How are we going to break it down? There is
0: obviously something wrong. That knocking would have awakened the dead. I'm sorry, sir. I shouldn't have said that. You say it is locked from the inside. (coughs) It's more than that been bolted. (sighs) I'm afraid we'll need an axe if you give me permission to break the door down. Door? You seem to have taken half the wall with it. Well, sir, as you can see, it's about six inches thick. We had to take it off its hinges because it was bolted? Yes, sir. You are certain it was bolted from the inside? Positive. I left it for you to see, sir. As you see it now, it's just as we found it. Hmm. Nothing in this room's been touched? Nothing, sir. I let no one into the room. They saw her at the desk, of course. It was obvious what had happened. I then sent them downstairs, posted the constable at the gate till your arrival, and I remained here. Right. Well, let's have a look. Yeah. That hole in the window lines up with the roof of those flats opposite. Constable, uh, nip across there, will you? Get on the roof and see if you can find out anything. I want you to shine your torch towards this window. Right. Ah, Olivia Shaw... My way to go. I saw her on television once, sir. Some highbrow panel thing. Never read her books. I have. Read every book she had published. A Guide to Toxicology? No, what on earth would she be doing with a book on poisons? Or more accurately, a Guide to Poisoning. Well, probably in the process of writing a murder mystery, sir. Possibly, but crime writing was hardly her line of country. Oh, there. Look at this writing. She's calling her book "Bitter's the Pill. What's that, sir? A fish that crumpled paper out of the basket. Looks as though it's got some writing on it. Oh, sir. Same sort of paper as this fool's cap, sir. Mm-hmm. Here we are, sir. Thank you. Oh, Well, well, well. Title here, Poisonous to the Taste. Oh, well, that probably explains the book on poisons. Yeah, come to think of it, where's the pen? She must have been using a pen. It's just by the desk on the floor, sir. Although... There is something strange somewhere, sir. Hmm? If Olivia Shaw was writing when she was shot, the pen would be on the desk, or it would have rolled off the front of the desk. Not there, right at the back. Well, it could be Wilkins. The bullet wound on the left side suggests that she turned her face just as the killer fired. No, it's consistent, all right. Hey, wait a minute. Uh, oh, there's the constable with a torch on that roof. Go now. See. Mm. Yes, it's how it happened. Her head had have been just about here. That lines up with the hole in the window and where the constable is now. All right, let's go downstairs.
1: <laughs>
0: Sergeant Wilkins had omitted to warn me that the bereaved husband was in a wheelchair. I don't know why I should feel that his incapacitation should be important, but I did. The whiteness of his knuckles showed as he gazed up at me, his hands clenching the upper rims of the wheels. As he sat there with his white silk shirt, large black bow, his pink and white face and penetrating blue eyes, he looked for all the world like the portrait of an early Victorian poet. That's a terrible business, Mr. Hamilton.
1: My car crash? Or What happened to my wife?
0: I was referring to the death of your wife. Hmm. You say you had a car crash? Yes. How long have you been married, Mr. Hamilton? Mm, Two years, I understand that Sergeant Wilkins told you that your wife was murdered as she sat at her desk.
1: Oh, but that's impossible. I mean, Olivia was locked in. We had to break the door down.
0: Well, somebody fired from the roof opposite her window. Where she sat was in the direct line of fire. Uh, forgive me asking this, Mr. Hambleton, but uh, was your marriage a happy one?
1: Oh, reasonably so, by modern standards, that is.
0: Mr. Hamilton, who would want to climb onto the roof opposite and shoot your wife to death? Have you any idea?
1: No idea at all. Some maniac who didn't like her last book, perhaps.
0: Forgive me for saying this, but you don't look particularly upset. Don't I?
1: Well, possibly because I feel that all this is part of Olivia's own creation. There's an air of fantasy about it. In a way. Well, the locked room, firing from a rooftop. Oh, that's the sort of thing she might think up in her bath. That's where she concocted most of her Plots?
0: Plots. But I regarded Olivia Shaw as one of our uh, more serious writers.
1: Oh, not as Olivia Shaw, I don't mean. a name, Edgar Thomas Milne.
0: Do you mean that your wife was Edgar Thomas Milne, the crime writer? I do. Olivia's books sold in their thousands. As Edgar Thomas Milne, she sold millions. Well, that explains the book on toxicology upstairs. Tell me about your accident.
1: Oh, I overtook on the M1, and I shouldn't have done got my license endorsed and deserted.
0: When did you see your wife last? When we broke down the door of her study. Mr. Hamilton, you know perfectly well what I mean. Your wife has been murdered, and although you don't appear to be overwhelmed at her death, I expect you to assist to catch the murderer. I take it you want the murderer caught. Well, of course. I'm sorry.
1: I last saw Olivia at about half past two this afternoon. Where? What was she doing then? Well, we just finished lunch, and Olivia said she was going to her study to work. I see. Was
0: everything quite normal? You didn't row or anything? Perfectly, Lord.
1: We were on the best of terms.
0: What did you do when your wife went to the study?
1: I went out there. Look, if you look through the window, you'll see my workshop.
0: Oh. What happens in your workshop? What do you make?
1: Uh, not make. No, create. But at the moment, I'm working on a metal creation showing man and the H-bomb.
0: see. Can you walk at all, Mr. Hambleton?
1: Uh, not an inch. Well, you could hop around on one leg, couldn't you? You try it. My left leg is broken, and so is my right ankle. Oh, I can do a balancing act on my clutches, I suppose.
0: So you didn't see your wife from the time you went into your workshop until then?
1: Well, she usually came down to tea. I manoeuvred myself back from my workshop through these French windows. I rang for tea, but no Olivia. And then? I rolled myself back into the workshop. It wasn't until about five, still no sign of her. Well, didn't that worry you? Worry me? <laughs> Good heavens, no, why should it? She's a writer. I've known to go into her study and not emerge till midnight. Well, that's one thing she's impressed on everyone. When she's in the throes of literary creativity, she's not to be disturbed. Poor Olivia. She'll never finish Bitter was the pill now.
0: From what I could see, she'd just started the book. She hadn't even written a rough outline.
1: You say you never disturbed her, and yet you called her at 6.15. Yes, I did. At about that time, the telephone rang.
0: Regent 1612. I want to speak to Mrs. Hamilton, please. Well, I don't know whether I can disturb her, sir, but... It's the madam, sir. Oh,
1: no, no, I'll take it. Uh, Hello, Hamilton speaking. Oh,
0: hello, Mr. Hamilton. We'd very much like to talk to your wife, if we may.
1: I'm sorry, my wife can't be disturbed.
0: This is Connor speaking. There seems to be a conflict in times and the proofs. It says that Phillips arrives at the house at 10.30, and then in the next paragraph it says 8.30. Now, which is it? Do you know? We're waiting to go to press now.
1: Uh, No, I I don't know, Trevor. I'll ask her. Just hold on, will you? There's wrong with your manuscript. Olivia, he's waiting on the telephone. That's strange. Fred, come on, Olivia! Seems on the inside, sir. How many does not, answer. Yeah, she might have had a heart attack or anything. Look, we'll have to break the door down. You won't be able to do it on your own. We, we'd better dial 999 to get the police assistance. And, uh, no, that's when new chaps came on the scene. I see.
0: Do you still have no idea why your wife was murdered or who was likely to do the killing? No idea
1: at all. Oh. Uh, excuse me, sir. Yes,
0: Sergeant. Dr. McPherson has asked me to tell you that he's been up to see the body. He'd like a word with you. Oh, good. I didn't hear him arrive. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Hamilton. hello, Mac. Glad you saw my note. What's the story? Uh, dead about an hour and a half to two hours. Shot with a forty-five, I'd say. What did you say? She was shot with a gun. You couldn't find a pistol for. To... All right, Mac. You don't know the circumstances, and I've been a bit of a fool. Oh, come inside, me, will you? Uh, Mr. Hamilton, this is Dr. McPherson How do you do? Uh, You'll appreciate that uh, everyone who knew your wife must be suspect
1: Look, if you're going to ask this doctor to examine my legs To see if I've really been crippled or not By all means I didn't kill my wife But I
0: think you did It's rare for a policeman to make such an accusation Without first convincing himself that he could justify such a charge For a brief second I regretted my impetuous outburst But only for a second despite the police surgeon's statement.
1: His left leg and right ankle are broken all right. How dare you? Are you accusing me of killing my wife? I
0: was uttering a thought. I'm making no accusations officially, but you'll be hearing from me.
1: All right, let's get back to the yard.
0: Yes? Operations here, Inspector. Yes. Motive, all right, sir. Her husband is sole beneficiary ex take the statement from the servant, sir. Apparently, the husband has been kicking over the traces. Well, motive isn't going to help us much. What about ballistics? Ballistics say it was a forty-five, sir. It's all so incredible. I'm convinced he killed her. Everything points. Oh, well. Thanks, officer. Yes. Uh, I hear you've been looking for Yes, much. I have, Mac. Your medical report. You sure the pistol was fired from a distance of about six feet? Not from the roof? Perfectly. Well, you'd better sit down. I need you as a mental anvil. <laughs> uh, this woman is in a locked room, bolted on the inside, with only one window. Two floors up, no access to the window from outside, no secret panels in the room, none of the fancy hocus-pocus of detective stories, A shots fired through the window from outside. The glass on the floor fitted the shattered window, so we sure of that. Just one shot. No other bullet found in the room. And we heard from Sergeant Wilkins that nothing was touched after he himself had broken down a locked door. No one could fire a pistol from the top of the roof. That's out. It's impossible, no matter how brilliant a marksman. In any case, you've read my report. I'm stumped. Yet I'm convinced her husband did it. In all my years as a police surgeon, I've never come across a man who seemed less of a suspect. Two broken legs and a bolted door. (laughs) A motive? Money. He'd been hitting it rather high before his accident, had our friend Hambleton. His gambling debts alone come to quite a few thousand pounds. We also know that Mrs. Hambleton telephoned her bank manager to say that her husband was to draw no more monies without her permission. Oh, it's all there, except for one thing. Two things, Gar. Hmm? Not only proof, but how. You've certainly got a Chinese puzzle on your hands, haven't you? Oh, you say that again, Mac. Well, what are you going to do now? Well... Do what I always do when I've reached the point of no return. I'm going to get hold of the sergeant who was there when the door was first broken down and pay another visit to the scene of the crime. Now, Sergeant Wilkins, we are going to take our jackets off. We're going to go on our hands and knees, like some caricature of Sherlock Holmes. We're going to pray that this thick carpet might give up its secrets, or these walls might tell us that the impossible is still possible. Chibberish, hm. Sergeant, but you know what I mean. I do, sir. Well, let's hope something turns up. In a manner reminiscent of the character created by Conan Doyle. Sergeant Wilkins and I began to peer through our magnifying glasses as we crouched on all fours. I'd begun to give up hope when... Got some, sir? Huh? Here. Glass? Yes, sir. Tiny little fragments. Oh, a beautiful glass. Good. Well, let's go on searching. If we could only... Find... Oh, that's asking. Look over there, Wilkins. What does that look like to you? And over there, left-hand frame of the door. Well, let me see, sir. Looks like putty, sir. It is putty. That's where he bored the small hole. He must have a well-equipped workshop. That's how he managed to slide the bolt. Well, well. We've got him, Wilkins. We've got him. Now, I'm being a little precipitate, Sergeant. Ignore the last remark. Let's go and have a look at that workshop, shall we? In the meantime, we'd better get that constable back on duty here again. the grounds and went into Hambleton's workshop. There was ample evidence of the man's tremendous creative ability, abstracts, figures, metal designs, but what was even more interesting was his equipment. That's a very handy-looking lady he has there, Sergeant. I
1: can hear the wheelchair, sir. Well, well, well.
0: Well, Good afternoon, Mr. Hambleton.
1: Might I ask what you're doing in my work? Mr.
0: Hambleton, you're a rather silly man, you know.
1: What are you talking about?
0: Well, surely you didn't think that we accepted the possibility of a revolver being able to aim so accurately as to kill your wife from that distance, from the roof across the road?
1: I suppose I do have to listen to all this. Yes, you do, Mr. Hamilton. Have you ever possessed a forty-five revolver? No. And I did not kill my wife. Well, I
0: think that I can demonstrate quite conclusively to a judge and jury that you did. And what's more, I can demonstrate motive and opportunity... Now, why don't you be a good fellow and own up to it, hmm? Save us all a lot of bother.
1: Get out of my house, you hear? Unless you've got a warrant. No, no,
0: no, no, no. I haven't got a warrant. But I warn you, Mr. Hamilton, I'll be back with one. And I wouldn't try any tricks if I were you. For from now on, I'm going to have you watched night and day. You sent for me, sir? Yes, Sergeant. I've been going through all the notes I've made... I still don't add up. But I thought... Yes, so did I. Wishful thinking. I've got a feeling that you've been used. Me, sir? Yes. All along, I thought it was rather curious that a man like Hambleton should phone for police assistance merely in order to break a door down. His servant Fred could have got an axe and done so. Why need the police? I don't know what you mean, sir. Because he wanted you there to establish without any shadow of doubt that it was bolted from the inside. Now, this is what I think happened. Hambleton went to call his wife, as he told us. But when he knocked on that door, it wasn't locked or bolted at all. Remember what we saw on the framework? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the case we're going to present to the public prosecutor. I want to see whether you agree with it. I shall charge that Hambleton wheeled himself into the study... Took up a position on the left side of his wife, and as she turned away from him, he pulled out a forty five pistol, and shot her through the head. Go along with that theory, Sergeant? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. But there's there's one thing that's worrying me. Yes? A forty five gives off a pretty loud report. Well, surely the servants would have heard something. Mm, not if a silencer had been fitted. Unless the study is so soundproof as to hold in all noise. I think the silence is more likely. Yes, sir. Particularly as the noise could be heard through the window. Ah, yes, the window. Coming to that. Now, my theory is that the shot was fired through the window, all right. And that's where Hambleton's workshop began to prove its value. Now, all it takes, a couple of screws from the beading. He couldn't walk, but he could stand. He took out the window, stood it up in front of a handy block of wood he'd brought with him, and fired. With me, Wilkins? Yes, sir, I am. No sound was heard. He replaced the shattered window in its frame and screwed it up nice and tight. And then the clever Mr. Hambledon collected up all the slivers of glass and arranged them in front of the window, so that we, the stupid police, would think that the shot had been fired from the outside. What worries me, sir, is... Oh, go on, sergeant. Now, before we complete our dossier, we've got to anticipate every possible objection, because... Unless we find the gun that killed her, all oh, this is sheer conjecture. The Commissioner wouldn't move until we've got more facts. Sir, so, what are you going to say? Well, sir, we have established with Russell and company that this Mr. Hambleton did make a phone call. Right. All that is authentic stuff, sir. I mean... Well? Well, he couldn't have done all the things we think he did between the times of the telephone call and the time I arrived, sir was all in a matter of minutes. Yes, of course, but... Don't you see, Sergeant, that telephone call was highly fortuitous. He had a very good excuse for going and knocking on the door. Who knows, but for that, he might have left the body there until the following morning. And then he got the servant to summon the police. Yes, I see that, sir, but the bolt... Now, I'm coming to that. All it needed was a simple length of nylon. Very thin, very strong. He loops it around the bolt... ...threads it through the hole in the door jamb... ...goes outside the study... ...closes the door... ...slides the bolt into the socket... ...and withdraws the nylon through the hole. <laughs> How ingenious, don't you think, Sergeant? It is, sir, but as you say, it's all on paper. Mm. The bits of glass we found and that piece of putty on the door frame... ...that, that won't be evidence enough, will it, uh, sir? Wise words, Sergeant Wilkins. We'll never secure a conviction if we precipitate matters... The gun. What did he do with the gun? Now, this is where we can thank our lucky stars. He's confined to a wheelchair. Yes, Carl? Operations here, Inspector. Yes. Servants confirm that Hamilton never left the house since his motor accident. stood, sir. Experts say that they can find no one who witnessed a man in a wheelchair leaving the premises. Neighbours on either side say they haven't seen any activity, sir. Thanks, Ops. That's our main hope, and by no means a forlorn one. Now, get through to Marylebone. I want a dozen men with the worthy Sergeant Wilkins in charge. We're going to search that place from top to bottom. One can't dispose of a 45 as easily as all that.
1: Look, you're wasting your time, Inspector. You've had all these men making a mess all over the place, churning up the garden. Now, my workshop, you've been here for three hours. I've looked in all the cupboards sir, everywhere. What? If any of you have touched any of my models...
0: What are you looking at, Hamilton? That's a nice metal vase.
1: <laughs>
0: and there it was, the final and the most important piece of the jigsaw puzzle. A Sten 45. And with it, the silencer. Uh, I've just read your dossier on the Hamilton case. Brilliant. What a cunning devil. No, oh, he wasn't, you know, Mac. A clever metal worker, but he gave himself away from the start, although I didn't spot it immediately. Oh, and how was that? Well, you see, Mac, when Hambleton said... As indicated to Dr. McPherson, it's only when I went over Hambleton's statement that I remembered him saying...
1: Poor Olivia. She'll never finish bitter as the pill, no...
0: That's where he gave himself away. For if you remember, we found that she had written on her manuscript the title, Bitter Was the Pill. And yet, when we went through her waste paper basket, we found that she had written a previous title, Poisonous to the Taste, and scrapped it. This must have been done that afternoon behind her locked door, so called. How could her husband have known of the new title unless he'd seen it on the dead woman's desk?
1: The Epic Casebook was produced by Michael Silver for the makers of Epic Pure Sunflower Oil, Maple Margarine, Yum Yum Peanut Butter, and Niblet's Cheese Twists, with Hugh Ross as Inspector Carr. Listen again next Thursday night at 9:30 to another exciting story from our Epic Casebook.